Hello everyone, I'm Ricardo, um, you probably will notice by my English, I am from south of Brazil, so I'm sorry for my English here, if I make any mistakes, please be patient, uh, and I'm here today to, you know, start a project that we have been thinking about for a while, and this is the Wisenetics podcast. This is a pod podcast that, you know, has the objective of creating a hub a platform for people that make the ag and livestock industries happen. So here we're going to be inviting guests that are business, technical and marketing leaders uh, in the industry to come over, share their ideas, their thoughts, their visions about the world, about the business, about the industry, but also about themselves. Uh, we want to highlight the profiles of the people that make this industry happens. Uh, as I mentioned, my name is Ricardo, Ricardo Vivian. Actually, in Portuguese, would be Ricardo Vivian. And a little bit on my background, uh, I am a graphic designer. I won a gold medal in 2013 in the world, world, uh, world's largest uh, skills competition. And since then, I've been adventuring myself in education and communication business. And today I am the business development at uh, Wisenetics. And if you don't know Wisenetics, basically we're, we are one of the main players when it comes to content production in the ag industry. Today is the first episode and we have here, I have here with me, uh, Joe Lothmiller. Um, one question that I always will ask for people that come here is that, is this your first time in a podcast? I know the answer already. Uh, so, Joe, uh, is this your first time in a podcast? Yeah. No, thanks, Ricardo. This obviously is not, um, as you've alluded to. I am the host of a podcast series called the the Pig Microbiome Podcast. And honestly, Ricardo, that's how you and I got to know each other. You have helped us as we have put that podcast together and, and continue to be a valuable partner with us in that project. So thank you. But yeah, we've we've done uh, several episodes over the last couple of years. It was something that started during the, the pandemic and while everybody was at home and has continued since then and, and has proven to me at least to be a valuable experience um, to help me deepen my understanding of not only the pig microbiome and research in that, but also how that connects with other people who are trying to find relevant content and not necessarily always just a sales pitch. So it's been fun. Yes. New ways of communication, right? People don't want to, don't want to be sold. Uh, no, that's great. Uh, Joe, I would love to have, uh, you know, a, bit, a, a brief introduction from your side um, Joe and I was just were just chatting here before this uh, this recording, and he was giving me some great tips of about like how should I try to to be a better host, <laughs> and it's good because I am quite anxious right now. But Joe's gonna help me here. He has a lot of good content, and I'm sure that you guys are gonna enjoy a lot what he has to share with us today. So, Joe, uh, for us to start, yeah, a brief introduction for yourself. Can you tell us a little bit about Joe Lothmiller? Sure. Yeah, I'm 
um, Joe Lofmiller, uh, Swine Technical Services Manager for North America for Filio by LaSaf. LaSaf is a fermentation company that is primary in yeast fermentation, and we are branching into also bacterial fermentation with the acquisition of the Invera company as part of our portfolio now. Um, I have been with the, with the LaSaf organization since early 2019. One of the things, honestly, that attracted me to LaSaf was not only the people and the products um, that we offer are offering to the marketplace, but I was looking at the time for a company that had a lot of stability to it. And a, a company like LaSaf that's a family-owned company since its founding in the 1850s, uh, headquartered globally in France, um, and still family-owned. And they know something about resilience and about stability. They're in a part of France, in northeast France, that have they've had about four or five major armies march across their doorstep in the last century. And, and yet they know how to, to take the long view to things. And I really appreciated that. And, and they, they were that way during the pandemic. And it was, it was a good, it's a good company to work for. Um, prior to that, I'd spent some time in um, a couple of different uh, premix companies, uh, blending companies that work directly with pork producers uh, in North America and globally, both uh, Devonish Nutrition as well as uh, Provimi which is part of Cargill now. It spent some time with each of those companies. And those are really valuable experiences to understand the dynamics of the premix blending industry and of the starter feed business and of manufacturing and the constraints in those markets and it, with those customers, as well as both the large and small pork production customers that they work with. I then spent some time with a couple of other ingredient uh, supply companies, uh, both uh, domestically as well as globally primarily uh, doing some help with they and their customers in, in Asia, different parts of Asia. And so I've had the chance to travel and see uh, production around the world. And it's, it's been really, really interesting to see how things are similar and yet how they're different around the world. Um, and, and so, yeah, so that's kind of how I ended up at Filio and, and really um, some of my background. We're, We've lived here in southern Minnesota in the United States and have lived here uh, for the better part of uh, 20, 22 years. Nice, nice. Well, looks like you know the industry pretty well. So a few big brands there, big companies. Uh, I'm adventuring myself for about one year and a half in this industry. I was really hooked, not only about the, uh, by, the wind, by the industry, but by Wisenetics. By the way, if you never heard about Wisenetics, we completely understand we are formally swined. That's how we were called because we are focused on swine. Uh, right now, we are expanding to other species, you know, trying to bring more knowledge and content to more professionals within the livestock and the ag business in general. Um, Joe, thanks a lot for this uh, introduction. It's great to see and understand a little bit of, uh, of your path uh, so far. And the next question I have here for you is, what are your top three achievements and what did you learn from those experiences? You know, that's an interesting question. Um, top three achievements. 
I, I would say rather than top three achievements, I'd, I'd say top three experiences as far as learning experiences. Um, and certainly one of those has been the experience of working in an environment where it's not only technical services, but it's but it's technical sales. And it's and it and to do that effectively, it really relates to understanding the customer, what the customer values, and then trying to understand how uh, what you are offering or what you could offer matches what they value. Um, I had some experiences early on in my life with that that I've honestly continued to build on. I spent a couple of years early on in my life uh, before I even had finished college um, working as a a full-time missionary for my church. And while that's not necessarily directly sales-related, many of the things that you do with building relationships and understanding what people value and trying to uh, find ways that uh, that you can be helpful in their lives directly relates to what we're doing as sales. So I would say that's one experience that that was a that was a really formative experience in my life in understanding that and and uh, and then learning how that applies because so much of that applies to what I do today. I would say um, another formative experience in my life was you know going through graduate school and and uh, one of the things that I enjoyed about graduate I don't know that I enjoyed it at the time, but I certainly value it today, was I had some really good professors at Kansas State who helped, uh, who cared enough about me to to help knock off some of the rough edges of me and of my personality and to to help me be a better person and to be more aware of those around me and the influence, the effect of my actions and my attitudes on those around me. And those are lessons I carry with me to this day. And then probably um, another, uh, if I'm looking at top three experiences, is the experience of my time uh, working for those premix companies and the people within those premix companies, some really good people at both organizations. Um, I think of you know my time with uh, Dr. Blaine Hansen, who's retired now. And him helping me understand how large accounts value technology and some of the things that they're looking for. And, and then um, when we have those conversations with them, with those large accounts, and, and honestly, a lot of what they value is similar to what um, medium sized or smaller accounts value, maybe a bit differently, but some of it's similar. And, and so it's learning how to, um, how to, how to approach those people and, and share what we have in a way that they can understand the value of what we're sharing with them. And then I would say that also um, many of the individuals that I worked with at Provimi and at Cargill, um, you know, Dr. Ken Bryant and Charles Schinniger um, and, and a variety of those uh, people there, just really, really valuable experiences in how they, how they treated people, how they managed people, um, how they how they treated people with respect, even in times where people the the people they were working with um, needed correction, and and they were able to do so in a way that was respectful to the organization and the organization's values, but also respectful to the individual as well. Pretty pretty neat experiences. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, uh, I really like that if you stop to think about these experiences you brought, all of them, and I'd say that most of our good experiences in life, not every experiences, but most of them, most of the most relevant ones, they are all related uh, to people, right? They are people-centered. So you talked about like your experience um, working with customers and how to, you know, try to bring the best value to them, your experiences uh, in college, not only uh, in your graduation, not only because of the content you're learning, but also to the professors you're relating and in the companies you, you know, you worked in and how the people made all the difference. I always like to think about this. I, I'm really happy that I had the chance to travel, uh, you know, over the world. And today I see that the best experiences that I had were not, you know, they were not because they, I was in a specific place, but because of the people that I crossed with. So this is really nice to see. And I, I really like the first experience when you mentioned like the whole thing about customers. It, sometimes we, uh, I work, you know, I learned, uh, learned a, a lot about marketing and it's funny, like how every time more we were talking about customer centered, uh, you know, uh, strategies about how important it is to understand and to please your customer. For me, there's a little bit of this that sometimes we, we're just changing how we, how we, the words that we use, but at the end, it was always about, uh, who are the people you're serving and if you're serving them well, it's not, of course, you need to have a good product. You need to have, you know, uh, to provide a good service. But if you put people first, if you think about them, you'll probably get in the right path, you know, to satisfy them, to, to provide a good value to them. Um, Joe, so as I mentioned before, my background is in design, visual design and communication, graphic design. And if I had to ask, my parents to describe what I do, they would probably, you know, have a hard time. So that's my next question to you. How would your parents describe what you do? Well, um, so my, my father, my mother passed away several years ago, so it'd be hard to ask her. Uh, but uh, <laughs> when I talk to my Sorry father, <laughs> no, that's okay. That's fine. It's, it's been long enough ago. We can both chuckle about it. Um, but uh, my, my father, when my father, if he was going to characterize it, would say that I work in sales. Um, he, of course, he understands I have a technical degree and and there's some technical value in, in what I'm trying to do. But but I I think when he hears technical service, he hears technical sales because he's always referring to that I'm in sales and I'm selling something and and he doesn't see that necessarily badly. Um, you know, he's a he's a farmer by trade, but he has also dabbled in uh, used farm equipment and used construction equipment sales on the side. And, 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 and so he value, he understands a little bit of the, of the sales trade and, and what we're trying to do. And, and, but that would, that would be how he would characterize it. Oh, Joe works in animal nutrition sales. And I guess I do, but, but it, it feels a little simple compared to maybe to what, how I see the the nuances of my job yeah well at least he he, he got he gets a clue about <laughs> what you do so design sometimes is harder to explain but 
uh, <clears throat> no, that's great. Uh, this question helps us to get to our next section of this conversation, uh, where we would like to talk more about, you know, business and marketing uh, point of view and, you know, how you see the world. So how you see business, sorry. Uh, so just in, during your introduction, you were talking about like how you, besides your work, uh, how you're also the host uh, to the Big Microbiome podcast. Um, and that's related to my next question here. In your opinion, what are the main, uh, the main changes in marketing uh, since digital media and internet became part of people's lives, like everyday lives? And how do you think companies should incorporate uh, these things, the digital world, uh, the internet to their strategies? Yeah, so how have things changed with the advent of digital media? Um, so the, the content marketing, you know, we're talking about content-based marketing. The marketing that, that is done in our industry today is, you know, it tends to be very specific because the account or the, the prospective customer base is, is relatively small and continues to consolidate a little bit each year. But one of the things that has changed is the rise of, well, things like the Swinet podcast, the, the rise of the podcast, the, the technical content of those podcasts, the pig microbiome podcast. But more so than that, even the rise of things like, I know Marcio has done uh, things, um, and I'm going to get the name of it, Swine Talk. Swine Talks or uh, that annual conference that he does and and is able to use speakers from around the globe at a really reasonable rate because most of them are able to speak like you and I are from our home countries without uh, the added cost and burden of travel. Uh, and then it becomes a global audience. And so maybe that's when, one of the big things that has changed is the global audience and the, and the reach of the information that we share. I think one of the things that has really changed in in this um, global and digital environment is the ability to do technical transfers. So I think of customers that we have who they don't buy any product in North America. They work as uh, international consultants, whether it's in Latin America or Central and Eastern Europe. And, and yet um, the, the work that we do and the recommendations that we make in North America uh, affect my colleagues in other parts of the world that are in different regions and have different reporting structures, and they have their own objectives, goals, and recommendations for our product use. And yet what we do here, if I'm not careful, what, what we do here can be very disruptive to what they're trying to do in other parts of the world. And so, yeah, when we talk about, you know, the digital marketing, it just expanding the reach is a huge one that it, now everything is global. There's a global reach to things. Um, I think recently about hearing about a colleague of mine who was in Australia and was asked about a publication and the digital, um, you know, the digital reach of that publication and the presentation behind it uh, for some work that we had done here that, you know, two decades ago when I came out of graduate school, that individual in Australia, it might have been, they might have heard about it, but it never would have had the impact that it had uh, just last year because of the this global reach. 
Um, so yeah, I, I think those are probably the two big things and is the ability to, to reach a broader audience with less, less, at, at much, much lower cost and the uh, rapid dissemination of information around the globe where audiences are much more sophisticated. They have exposure to a wider range of ideas and concepts. And so they, they become more, uh, more selective about what they, what they choose to uh, implement, choose to believe and choose to implement versus what, what we tell them. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, that's true. Like I, I completely, I completely agree more specifically with like the possibility of, you know, having people uh, from anywhere in the world uh, being part of your processes and uh, even about your content and how that raises the bar, right? You're bringing people yeah. with a great knowledge that you would not have access and now everything is so easy and connected. And again, like, of course, internet is not something new. Uh, even podcasts, they are not new. But for me, it seems like sometimes we're still learning, like, Everything changes. Uh, I think technology changes faster than people. Lots of times are uh, able to to follow follow up with. So although this is not a brand new thing, I I still think we are learning a lot with this. But I really like this perspective about like the connection and having this uh, great professionals. You mentioned like Swine Talks, the event that uh, we we organize every year, and how it's possible to get those great people in the same room, even though each one is in a different country. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that has a great impact in terms, more specifically about, you know, our possibility to share the content, our possibility to improve the content, to have access to these articles and the work that you have written 10, 10 or 10, uh, 20 years ago that would never, well, would never have reached those people. So in addition to that, that that makes it very important for us as content providers to use that term and, you know, just as technical service people to really, really deeply understand our products and our product applications because there are differences. You know, we have differences in our product application based upon where you're at in the in the world, differences in raw materials used, differences in um diet uh, formulation economics, differences in, in life production economics, distribution channels, all of those things. And so it becomes critical for us around the globe to understand those differences and to help our customer understand, our customer in Australia understand why a recommendation in North America may or may not fit what they're doing in Australia. It it raises the bar for all of us. Yeah. And, and it creates the opportunity to have, well, it's not an opportunity, but uh, uh, it raises the risks of uh, bad applications if you're talking about a, a product like yours. Uh, I'm not a specialist uh, in the industry. I'm learning a lot in the past uh, one year and a half. But again, my background is more in marketing. But just in this year that I've been uh, you know, learning more about content, being in touch with professionals, I see that there's a lot of differences in terms of uh, uh, industries. If you look to Europe and United States, like each of those industries, they have their own profile uh, and ways of working, even legislation plays a role here, right? Uh, things that are allowed or ways of doing things in the US, they're not the same, maybe in France, the where your company is based, for example. So that's also like, okay, how do you manage, you know, to have the best content 
but in a way that people also understand the differences and the shades uh, so they can bring that content and adapt, not all, just apply that, con uh, that, you know, that new knowledge to their reality, but being able to, apply, to adapt that so it fits their reality. I think that's a great point. And, you know, I think about some different feed additives that we have. So in the United States, there's different probiotics that can be used that the the regulatory requirements for using probiotics and feeding in the United States is dramatically different than it is in Western Europe, for example. And so you have to have that understanding um, just from an application point of view. And um, yeah, and then going back to your point, you know, uh, people tend to be a little bit slower than the technology. I think the pandemic, one of the one of the silver linings of the pandemic was is it taught all of us how to be more electronically connected than we were before, and be a little more efficient with our time, and more balanced, so that um, we have we have the ability to to balance the the need for a face to face visit with um, versus an, an electronic visit. And a technology and a uh, information transfer uh, via via either method. Perfect. No, yeah, it's uh, I work completely online, so uh, Wisenetics here at Wisenetics we don't have headquarters. Like I'm uh, all day in meetings, meeting new people in different parts of the world. Uh, so it's great, and uh, I think as you mentioned, pandemics uh, has helped us a lot. Uh, developing uh, helped us a lot. Uh, the, uh, for us to develop those skills uh, in terms of communication, digital, all of that. But still, it's, I don't know, for me, sometimes I feel like it's it's great, but I don't think, like, maybe someday we will be able to replace the human touch and the in-person relationship, but I don't see this really as a close thing, at least to me, you know? Uh, again. Internet, the whole connection thing, the whole digital world. Today, uh, just so we have an idea, uh, and you that is uh, are listening to us uh, here at Wisenetics, we work in some type of metaverse. We have our digital office where we can like walk with our, our avatars and talk to people, and that has increased a lot our uh, efficiency because things move much faster. You know, instead of writing an email and waiting for an answer, you just visit. Uh, someone's desk, you ask what you need to ask and you solve the problem. So it gets much closer to a real office, but at the same time, uh, you know, the, the human touch, you know, being present, there is a lot more happening in a communication, uh, in a conversation uh, than the words. And for me, at least today, with the technology we have and the accessibility, and honestly, I'm not looking forward <laughs> looking forward to, uh, to this fully uh, digital uh, world where we interact only by distance. But I mean, there's so much happening in terms of you know our uh, movement, the way we we do things that is not verbal. So yeah, I I, I don't think. Although I see technology going that way, I don't think we will ever find something that will replace human touch 100%. So I strongly agree because of just what you said. There, there is value in that face-to-face -face interaction, in the in the the person-to-person -person connection that you that you that you lose that part electronically. 
there's so much that happens in nonverbal communication and and some of those subtle things that you miss. And so you're, you're exactly right. There has to be a balance. And and I guess what I see is I see that people are willing to acknowledge that that maybe we had the balance skewed too far one direction pre-pandemic, and maybe there's a way to do to do things more efficiently without losing that that connection. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I I went to the. Um... Uh, Park Expo, the World Park Expo in Iowa for the first time uh, this year. And it was really funny, to not funny, but it was incredible to see like how people are thirsty for human interaction. Like, you know, the whole feeling in the in the event, you know, people, it feels, it felt like people were waiting for that for decades. Like, yeah, they, they just wanted, yeah. you know, to have it, you know, they were doing business, they were, but it's not like, when you do uh, from your home yeah it's, it was really but good they were, just glad, they were just glad to be around people and to see other people yeah absolutely yeah. and have barbecue also <laughs> so yeah. that's harder absolutely. to have you know, absolutely. <laughs> with your laptop right and yeah you can have some fake one not not the real one <laughs> uh joe i have one question here for you which is we were just talking about yeah you know digital media and you brought the content marketing and that's my next question. Like, what are your thoughts on content marketing and how you see its difference if compared to traditional marketing? Yeah, so it, it's interesting. I, I would take it even a step further. So traditional marketing, I think of that as the advertising and the brand awareness and this is who we are and this is who the company is and and aren't we aren't we good people and you should buy from us because we're good people with good products and and uh, and 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 you like us and and then of course content marketing is builds on that with the not only do you like us but we're technically relevant and the offerings that we have you know that that we're that we're helping we're helping to make the world a better place we're helping to improve the science behind everybody's products. You know, we're 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 contributing to that. And and oh, by the way, as we build the science behind everybody's products, we're also building the science behind our products. And and can't you see that our products are technically relevant? And and there's a there continues to be justification for their place in the market. And and of course, then you go in and and you build all of that and you qualify your prospects with all of that technical relevance and they come back and say, yeah, this is, this is good. Let's talk some more. And of course, then you go in and have those face-to-face conversations and, and try and find a mutually agreeable solution um, to the problem that everybody acknowledges. And, and I think where, where I see things in our marketplace, again, as I mentioned, relatively small prospective customer base is is the next step is is i guess what they call account based marketing and and it's almost where you're marketing to if you look at at the industry at our industry at the US pork industry for just as an example and you could do this anywhere else in the globe you know we've got probably 40 or 50 potential customers that would occupy uh 70% of the market space for you know potential for pigs to be fed and and so then you start saying, okay, well, of those, not everybody's going to do business with us. We'd love us. We'd love it if everyone would do business with us. Excuse me. 
but we recognize not everyone will. So let's, how do we identify those that want to work with us? And then you start working on those and that account-based marketing then becomes uh, almost a marketing approach customer by customer. And how I would approach um, Cargill uh, as a large uh, conglomerate uh, premix manufacturer is going to be different than how I would approach, uh, you know, a large integrated pork system. And, and um, you know, I've had some of them, for example, so, so then it becomes an account, a marketing thing of one. Some of these accounts want to be very involved in how we design our research trials. I've had uh, large systems come to me and say, hey, we like what you're doing on research, but we'd really appreciate if you'd share with us what you're doing before you design the trials and let us help you design the trial so that the information that you're developing is increasingly relevant for us. And hopefully then it's relevant for others. But but that I guess that's what I see things going to, even from content marketing to this account-based marketing, where because the accounts are so large and so influential, we and and we have a limited number of people and a limited amount of time, we have to be very selective and very targeted in how we approach less of a shotgun approach and more of a, a very close aim uh, rifled approach to our marketing. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, no, I love that. And it's funny because right now we're, you know, we're in the livestock business. And first thing is that there are no rules like content marketing must be done like this or marketing should be done like this. Each market has their own reality and their own truth. And I really see the, uh, what you're seeing. I, I, I can really understand now if, if you talked about this, like, I don't know, one year and a half ago with me. I would not be able to visualize that, but yeah, today we are we are talking about a very specific niche, right? With the uh, the swine industry, and not only the swine industry, uh, lives uh, other livestock uh, industries also. And another thing that you brought that I think it makes more sense every day is that we would love to work with everyone, right? To be able to provide a service to everyone. And that might not be the reality for the livestock business, or it might. <laughs> I'm not there on the field to to have the right, the perfect perception about it. But here at Wisenetics, at least, we are learning that we also need to understand better who would be our ideal customer, like the right customer. Sometimes, yes, you want to work with everyone. You know, you want to be all around, but and depending on how the client does things and what is their objective, hey, maybe they're not a suitable client for us, and that's fine. There's space for everyone. You know, there is, there's, an, there are other possibilities of them to approach their problems, their digital and communication problems. So it's, you know, it, it's, it's just as you summarize. It's not about a shotgun where you want to, you know, hit everything you can. It's about you know targeting the right people and having the right service to your ideal customer, to the, to the customers that fit your profile. I would offer on top of that, that that's the, that's the hard part about it. I mean, you know, I can throw out the acronyms of, of you know, the ABM, the account-based marketing and all of these things. But the hard part about it is, is developing, and this is that person-to-person -person interaction, developing the relationship with the customer that, that you can ask those questions 
and understand why do they do business with you versus someone else and 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 learn why they value what you're offering them and and that's the that's the real trick of it is do you know even being able to do that in a formal marketing format is is trying to develop that deep understanding of the customers and and it takes time and it takes focused effort but yeah exactly that if if we're going to if we're going to really help our customers we've we've got to have that understanding yeah uh I'll, my vision today my view uh i would say the word is trust right why of course there are it's not uh, only uh one one feature or one thing that makes uh, companies do business with you but uh first when when we think about digital uh content marketing i think the content marketing base basically is a validation okay when you get when you get to a conversation with a prospect and they have learned more about you they have validated your expertise you are in a different level already you're in a, like you're much more closer to the business to be able to do business with this company than you were if you were you know just another company knocking on their door and trying to sell them something so i think that's a step of validation for them and uh, and then i would bring this uh this second second level would be you know the relationship what you just said like do they trust you and of course it's not uh in your most of the business i would say uh, we cannot we should not look to one time sales if you if you if you want especially especially if you have 40 to 50 clients maximum so uh if you if you're looking for a long term uh and successful uh, company brand you have to have in mind that this trust that you're creating you need to deliver if you don't deliver it's it's and you know that that's that's a great uh a great thing well at least uh that i i the way i like to see is like it's not only about sales of course if you don't sell your business is done like that's how things work but in order to have clients with you it's all about the delivery also so making that trust become also uh yeah trustful relationship actually make it extended, you know, make it go with time and yeah, stay really resilient with your client. I think that's exactly right. And it's, again, it goes back to being authentic. You know, you talk about trust and people um, being more selective about who and what they trust today in the marketplace is exactly right. That's in my mind, that's part of the reason why marketing as a, as a broad uh, term and as a broad field, sometimes gets uh, criticism that I think is a little bit justified. You know, there's a there's a there's a poster that I like that that shows the picture of a sandcastle um, that's up in the air on a very narrow base, a very narrow base of sand, and and the caption below it is is it says marketing, and then underneath that it says making it look good now is more important than providing adequate support later. And, you know, historically, that's that's a little bit about, uh, you know, some of the approaches. And, and I think that when we come back to this with this account-based marketing, when you do account-based marketing right, it's about making sure that your solution fits today and tomorrow 
for that customer. We're not selling industry in my industry. We're not selling industrial air conditioners that, you know, it's one sale every 30 years and then providing some sales support after that. It's, it's an ongoing relationship. And, and so if we're just making it look good today, um, we're not going to last very long. Perfect. Joe, my next question here, actually, it's really related to that. I almost know the answer already. But do you think that producing and sharing technical content is important for a brand positioning? And why do you think that? Um, I, I would say yes and no to that at the same time. And the reason that I say that is, yes, of course, technical content is very important. But every company has technical content or wants you to believe that they have technical content. And so again, it's coming back to having that relationship of trust with the customers where the customers know you, they know your company, and and they say, okay, you're producing content that's relevant to us and that we can see those repeatable results in our facilities. Um, it's not just producing technical content that that we say is relevant, the, the customer has to come back and say, yeah, this makes sense. And when I applied in, in, in my feed or at my farm, um, that what, you, what you're telling me I see, I see that the value is there. Perfect, perfect. Um, Joe, you, in the beginning of our conversation, you brought the name of a lot of people that have worked with us, professors. Um, so I'd like to ask you, like, who has been your most important professional mentor? Who is the person that, you know, made you change and brought you the most value? There's been a lot of them. Um, but I would say that probably one of the most important has been one of the first ones. And that would, um, I don't mean any, uh, uh, I, I don't mean any anything uh, negative towards any of the others at Kansas State within the swine team there, but I would say that Mike Tokash, Dr. Mike Tokash, was probably one who was the most influential early on. And I appreciate, you know, Dr. Nelson and Dr. Goodband and Dr. Dreets and all of the others for all of the things that they did to help me. But one of the things that Mike uh, told me at a crucial moment in my program, uh, he he really helped me. He looked at me and said quite bluntly, Joe, I think you have the worst time management skills of anyone in our program. And then we proceeded to have about a 30-minute conversation about why he felt that way. And it was a it was done in a way where he wasn't he wasn't focused on himself. He was focused on me as a person and and what this meant for me long term and helped me understand some of those perspectives. And I've shared this with him a time or two, and 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 so this won't be new for him either. But um, that was really meaningful to me. That that caused me a lot of reflection over the next several weeks, and helped me to um, significantly change my outlook and my behavior. And it was tremendously uh, meaningful for me for the rest of my life, both personally and professionally. And there's been many many others after that. Uh, but that's one of the first ones where I went, you know, I, I can either choose to change my direction or I can choose to keep doing it the way I'm doing it. And and Mike really helped me see that and to see the value of making a change. So I've always appreciated that. 
That's nice. That's nice. Again, I'm uh, repeating again, like um, one year and a half in this industry and Mike Tokash is definitely, he doesn't know me, but well, I have heard about him a lot. I know like this guy is a beast. He's a reference in the industry. Uh, Marcio also always talks about him and like how, how, how great he is, not only in the professional side and not the knowledge he has, but also like how he helps people and you know just as you mentioned how he helps people improving themselves like getting to the next level mike mike is mike is one of those rare people um who makes everybody else around him better just by interacting with him and it's i he's a neat guy that's great uh joe so uh now we are getting to not exactly the end of our conversation, but you know, we 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 learn a little bit about you. We learn uh, more about your vision about business and marketing and how things are done in the industry. And uh, to close this session, I would I would like to listen to you uh, from you. Like, what's one lesson that your job has taught you that you think everyone should learn at some point in their lives? Oh, one lesson my job has taught me that everyone should learn. Um, first of all, people do business with people. And we've talked a little bit about that. We've talked about this as, as it relates to uh, marketing. Um, but that's really, really important is that building those personal relationships is is critical. And and helping people uh, know that, that you have integrity and that if they bring an issue to you, you're going to try and resolve it. Um, I think of an issue we had within Filio a few years ago where customers um, struggled because they felt like what they were being told didn't match the experience that they were having. And so we worked hard to resolve that, and we were able to successfully resolve that. But it it came at personal cost to some of my colleagues because of that. And and so it was it was something I'm glad that we were able to successfully bridge. But it's really, really important that people that that people can trust what you say, and and when you say you're going to do something, that you do it, and and that if you don't do it, if you drop the ball, that you honestly and and humbly acknowledge that, and admit that, yeah, you know what, um, I I didn't hold up my end of the bargain here. Um, again, it's authenticity and honesty, and being trustworthy, which is, you know, I one of my favorite definitions of trustworthy is is being honest and competent. You know, anybody can be an honest idiot. It's it's being honest and knowing what you're being honest about um, or, or knowing the material that you're trying to be honest about. So that that's it in a nutshell. Yeah. And that and that goes back to what what Mike was trying to share with me is it was, you know, part of that time management and his comment was, you know, if you're going to promise to do something by a time, then you should deliver on that. And if you're not going to deliver on that, then you should acknowledge it and acknowledge it early, not acknowledge it late. Don't force others to have to come to you. Perfect. Perfect. That's yeah, that's a, that's a great, uh, we, we could, the word I would use for that would say uh, accountability, right? That it, one of, one of the words plus honesty and, you know, being able to be humble and understand when you like, when you didn't, didn't, uh, deliver what you had to, 
but at least trying to do it and understand understanding your mistake. And uh, well, Wisenetics here, we are, you know, basically a young company with lots of young people. And this is one of the things that we we try to bring as a as a part of our culture, you know? Uh, you gotta be a, accountable for what you're responsible for. You know, you say when you, you're gonna do it, do it, even if it's not the best result, like go go after the go after the results you need, you know, the be responsible for what you need to do. So it's it's a main one. It's a main thing I'd say for basically every company that wants to success. So Joe, uh, next question here. Now it's not uh, necessarily related to business or marketing. I'd like to, uh, I'd like you to recommend to our audience uh, three books that you think you know are good books or that changed your mind that you have learned a lot with. So three books you would recommend to our audience. And if you could also tell us why you're recommending those books. Yeah. So three books I would recommend. Um, the first two were really easy. The third one I had to think about for a while, and I'm, st I'm still not sure that I've got it uh, fully defined. But the, the first one is a book um, by the Arbinger Institute called Leadership and Self-Deception. It goes exactly along with what you were talking about with accountability and and being accountable to those around us and and being accountable for the right reasons how we treat people our way of being how we see others around us um, all of that is is tied up in that book um i would say that that the next book that i uh, was put onto is similar in in a vein but it's but it's a little bit different uh, is a book called crucial conversations and oh, it's probably been a couple of decades ago that I was put onto that book by a uh, by a colleague, but it's it's really really helpful because crucial conversations. So you have leadership and self deception, and you've identified all the areas where uh, maybe you have some room for improvement, or or the way you interact with others could use improvement, and where you could be a better leader. And then you have to know how to talk to people in a way that invites cooperation and acknowledges your accountability and invites their accountability. And, and so that's where crucial conversations comes into place is, 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 you know, how do you have that conversation with someone, whether it's a subordinate, whether it's a leader, whether it's a coworker, whether it's your boss, uh, whatever it is, but have that conversation in a way where you can clearly explain your perspectives and do so in a way where it invites them to explain their perspectives and both of you come away with a much greater understanding of the issue and of your perspectives on the issue so that uh, resolution can be achieved. So those are, those are two of uh, the books that I lean towards very quickly. Um, and then I would say a, a third book um, that has come to mind as I think about three really influential books in my life. And, and it's been a number of years um, since I was first introduced to it, but the the book Tuesdays with Maury, and it's about a uh, journalist uh, for the Detroit uh, Press, Detroit Free Press, a newspaper, and going back to visit one of his old um, journalism professors. And by that time, that professor was dying from ALS, and so he would go visit him every Tuesday. And the journey that he went on as he went through that process of of 
visiting every Tuesday with his uh, with his professor and those life lessons. So I, you know, there's uh, there's obviously a number of books out there that anyone could mention, but those are three that that really come to mind for me. That's great. Uh, I'm I'm curious about the second one, Crucial Conversations. That sounds a good good one. That's something that I didn't read the book, so I don't know it. Uh, but uh, by the way you summarized it, that's something that I, I try to keep in mind, like not only about conversations, but yeah, most most about conversations and you know human interaction is is that like what is the output that I expect from an interaction, right? Sometimes you are really pissed because something happened and it was not aligned with your expectations. So like okay, so if you're if what you if if your your idea is you know to change that maybe just screaming with people and telling them why they're wrong will not change your situation so if you want them you know to change the way they they are doing things with you or you know delivering things as uh, as you expected if they are a colleague or even in a relationship you know uh, try to think about your approach how you're going to do that Otherwise, you're just gonna let them know you're not happy, but you're not changing your situation. So, I'm I'm curious about this one. It's gonna I'm gonna add to my list. I don't know if it's about that, but that's the first thing that uh, it came to my mind. Yeah, I would say that's that's it exactly. And and a great example they use in that book is uh, especially when you're talking to someone in a position of authority over you. Imagine that you're a nurse in an operating room and the sur- surgeon is about to amputate the wrong the wrong foot. And you know it's the wrong foot, but the surgeon is someone who has a very high uh, opinion of themselves, and they don't they don't they don't seek a lot of input from the rest of the team. How do you speak up in a way that the surgeon will listen to you before they make a uh, a life altering mistake? Um, and and that's some of the things that you know the the book gives you tools where you can speak uh, very effectively when the stakes are both high and low, and, and it's helpful. That's perfect. Uh, yeah. It's added to my list now. Uh, Joe, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, that's it for today. I honestly didn't prefer a closing, <laughs> a closing script here. So, but uh, I'd, I'd like to, you know, uh, say thanks for your participation, for having the courage to be the first one interviewed by our, uh, by me in the Wise Anatics podcast. This is a project that. Uh, me, Marcio, and the whole team, we have been planning and thinking about for a while. So thanks for helping us to make it a reality. And last thing for listeners, uh, if they want to find you online, do you have any social media or places where they could find you? Yeah, if they want to if they want to find our podcast, the easiest thing to do is to, to uh, look at, uh, you know, to do a search for the Pig Microbiome Podcast. Uh, easy enough to find on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, variety of applications. Um, I'm also, you know, if you need to reach me, uh, Filio by Lasaf, uh, and I is is a good place to Google, and and I'm easy enough to find through there as well. Um, if if they need to email me, uh, you I'm sure you can share with them my email address is needed. So. Yeah, perfect. Not going to scream out, out loud here. I'll, I'll be selected. <laughs> Joe, thanks. Thanks again uh, for everyone that listened to the first episode. Thanks for keeping with us. Uh, this is a project that we want to make it last. So if you work in the industry, if you think 
your story is uh, valuable to be shared if you have ideas and thoughts about how we do uh, business in the industry, how we do communication, how we do marketing. You know, just let us know. Uh, you can email me at ricardo at swinet.com. This email is going to change. So <laughs> depending on when you're listening it, uh, that's not going to be my domain anymore. But right now it's ricardo at swinet.com. Let us know. We would be more than happy to have more people with us. Okay, so thank you and see you in the next episode.